The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Power of Water. I'm Sharon Kleina. It is exciting, this show, the guests that we've had from all over the world, and for you to listen to, and be sure and go to uh, SharonKleinaHour.com. Uh, SharonKleina.com, K-L-E-Y-N-E, my name, and look up all the shows that we've had on and all these special guests from all over the world, in Holland, in Kenya, all over the world, this country in the United States, all over this country, North America, about the power of water and people's interest in life and death and issues of people being healthy. The world is out today, and the new culture is wanting to be more healthy than ever in history. Yes, it will save an enormous amount of money, but isn't it exciting to be healthy, to say you're healthy, and maybe brag, I don't get colds. I haven't had the flu. I work to be healthy every day. You get out of bed every morning, you put your feet on the ground with everybody else's 24 hours, begin your day and think, I want to be a member of the Healthy Olympics. But without the water, you can't be healthy. Did you know that 5,000 children are dying a day around the world without water? And how many more adults are dying without water? And you're wondering, wondering why, well, why is it they're even alive if they're, because of the, there's no water? Because the air we're living in has humidity, water. So the life can exist for a little while with the air that has the water to live because your water that you're drinking is part of it, but the air you're living in is the other side of water that people forget about, how important that healthy humidity is. It's got the water and the air that you can't see. So always remember, drinking 8 to 10 glasses of water a day is your solvent. With no sugar, no added ingredients, water must be, you must drink water. Water and our breath of life is vital to your health. Water makes everything grow. Have you ever been to California and seen signs up when they took away the water to the, for the agriculture and how deadly the soil looks, not even alive? It's all cracked and looks like it's dying soil. And they've got these huge signs up saying water makes everything grow, begging the world out there to let them start having the water back on the fields. Well, guess what? When the water goes back in the fields, the, the soil begins to live, be alive again, the, live, the living soil. And then the aquifers below begin to be nourished again and be alive again. That's the power of water. 
Power of water is the food that makes life all life on earth. Power of water is the solvent for all life. If you don't, you're, you got, it's, it dissolves. Not added ingredients in it. It's a, it dissolves uh, uh, ingredients that are collecting that are uh, unhealthy. Nature brought to us to that. Are you questioning nature? Maybe you are. Power of water is the food for earth and all life on earth to live or die. Are you going to question nature? Nature's secret ingredient for healthier, long-lasting life is always going to be the power of water. Discover Earth's secret, the power of water for all food, the, the, the food that is for all life to live. Today, it's exciting. We have Melinda Henson Neely. She's an author, and she's in Boise, Idaho today. She has a book out called Eat In, Not Out. So we're going to have a lot of fun here, and we've been learning a lot about nutrition. Because we're so into water on this show, of course we like nutrition. Water is nutrition. She'll be honest with us most of the show, but for the show is over today. Uh, Lauren Fisher with World Vision is going to be on with us to talk about hunger crisis in Africa. She couldn't take too much time, but she's going to give us some um, message and mission about what is happening with that crisis. We're going to listen to our sponsor. Biologic Aqua Research Center is a research center that I am proud to say I am the founder of. It is the only company like it in the world that is studying to discover the life in the water for you to be able to be healthier and learn how to use it. What kind of benefit would water give us rather than the, than the normal? Well, we decided that water in a handheld portable device to mist at a spray or a mist, the different types of mist, to a benefit to replenish what the air is not giving you as a tool, like you're brushing your teeth, you apply lip balm, you do different things every day to give your life a nourishment. We believe it's 100% water. So we invented Nature's Tears Eye Mist because at the surface of your eye is 99% natural water. Did you know that? So vision impairment from birth, as you're living your life and your choices, the vision impairment is diminishing of the water. The eyes become dry. Water goes dry. So we invented Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist, 100% natural, no added ingredients, no preservatives, four-year shelf life with just a mist. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and then we'll talk to Melinda. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. 
listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Melinda, are you with us? I'm with you. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I, I've, I've kind of done a little bit of everything, it seems, in this life so far. But um, I actually uh, started out studying nutrition in college with aspirations of going to medical school, but changed gears, um, went into a field of, of uh, marketing, and now I'm kind of coming full circle and writing about health and wellness and um, have kind of been living it, you know, in between. So, hmm. Now, did you have a reason why you cho- chose nutrition sometimes? We, the people I've had on the show and myself and, and too, what I do is because of situations in my life that I became intrigued about, something familiar to me personally, that I got into what I do. And I study water all over the world and um, in a different direction. Uh, why did you choose nutrition? Did, did you have a personal reason? I did, actually. I mean, I felt that if I had uh, gone on and and gone to med med school, I thought that field would be more applicable than just studying chemistry or biology. But on a personal level, um, I grew up with a family of all girls, and my mother and sister were both overweight. Um, And though I never was, I was intrigued with, you know, what, what caused that problem for them and what could I do to avoid that predicament in my life. Okay, um, And then ironically, I ended up gaining about 25 pounds when I was in college, so I got to experience it. <laughs> well, you got into the probably top ramen. It was quick. <laughs> yeah, that and Domino's pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and then, of course, you've got down the street the hamburger. <laughs> so right. it's tough when you're in college and you're penny-pinching. I remember myself, it was so funny because when I got out of high school and I was trying to get to school and and uh, I was trying to figure out my money and I go off and I live next to the campus and try to keep up with everything to be as inexpensive as I could to figure out how I was going to save my money and do all the things I needed to do. And, all, and they had just come out with these boxes of macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I remember one time, uh, Melinda, my mother sent me back with a box full of macaroni and all these starches, and I looked back on it, and I just absolutely, I gained a ton of weight, and I told myself, never again, as long as I live, am I touching one thing of macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's... But anyway, back to uh, eat in, not out. Uh, I've got to tell you one, and you'll have fun. Um, I'm the founder of a research center, and I have no end of doctors from all over the United States and around the world, part of my team. And But there's one particular doctor who is not Dr. Philip Payton out of Medford, Oregon, and he's an ophthalmologist, but he originally was a professor at Cornell and teaching physical uh, chemistry. And then he became an ophthalmologist. Well, at Melinda, about three years ago, he had a little incident because he liked to do bike marathoning, and he got in the hospital, and they had to do a little thing with his heart. And then the next week in his practice, he was telling some of his patients, but one particular one of these patients says, well, have you, Dr. Payton, ever read the China study? Melinda, have you ever read the China study? It is sitting right beside my bed. Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I've had I, him on my show. But anyway, uh, back to um, uh, the whole thing. And so Bill thought, or, uh, Phillips decided he studied the China study. 
Well, then he decided he'd study the, what do you have, the one prevent heart and, uh, and reverse heart disease? Right. I haven't actually started it, so I thought Oh, read it, read it, it read it, read it, because I'm going to tell you something, and we'll go into your book. Okay. Audience, her book is Eat In, Not Out, and today it's exciting what's going on. You'll have to read her book. Well, anyway, I have had the doctor, I've had on uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Campbell and uh, on here, twice, I think. So then I've had Dr. Esselstyn on, but Dr. Payton now, you're going to be so proud, and it might be something for you to look into for yourself and another book or go into more. Um, Dr. Payton dove in and became the person he was from Cornell. Actually, I tease him about that, although he's a fabulous surgeon in optic ophthalmology but um, and a very successful private practice. So he dove into this nutrition, Melinda, and he didn't quit. Mm-hmm. He started lecturing and speaking all over Southern Oregon about what you eat. Right. He got familiar with Dr. Esselstein Caldwell. I've had Caldwell, Dr. Esselstein on here, but anyway, he got familiar. He not only got started practicing it with his wife, their favorite topic is to talk about food. He never wants to quit his practice. He included nutrition in his ophthalmology practice every day with his patients. He then hired a, a, a person who used to be a cardiologist, retired, who came in and every time he talks to the patient about what they're needing to do for their eyes, on his part, he sends them over to discuss their nutrition. Oh, wow. And Melinda, oh, isn't it exciting? And, and Melinda, he's, he's gotten people's health issues changing. I mean, drastically changing. Well, then yeah. this last weekend he had, it's just a coincidence, you and I are on. Uh, several weeks ago he told me, he said, Sharon, uh, I'm going to have Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn in town, and I was sorry I didn't get to go, but he was, he paid for him to come into town, stayed at Philip, Dr. Phil, uh, Philip Hayden's home, to be speaking at the Criterion in Medford, Oregon for a fee one day evening, and the next day open to the Smullen, uh, medical center here at the Rogue Valley Memorial Hospital for all the doctors to come in and the medical people. Melinda, he had over a thousand people. Wow. That's called gala, uh, people cheering on health and nutrition. And it proves there's a culture, but he, he, now his is going toward almost very vegan. I mean, it is vegan, although he doesn't like, he doesn't believe in much oil. And I've got a little question about that little bit of oil. I have a thing with my research because I study dehydration of the body is that you've got to have a, a little bit of oil to back up that moisture loss to slow down the dehydration so you can keep detoxifying. But now you tell us about your love and passion, eat in, not out. And what is that all about? Well, um, you know, much like what you're saying, it's, it's, to me it's really hard to know what you're eating and what you're putting in your body if you're not making it yourself. Now, that's not to say I never go out to eat because I do um, on occasion, but I do think there comes a point in our lives where we have to take control over what we're eating, and if we're not cooking in, we just don't know. And um, and I, 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 just, I much like what you say, it's you feel like you know what you eat is such great information to determine how good you feel, and you know in all walks of life, whether it's you know just going to work every day or if you are doing something you know fitness oriented. 
And, and if you're not watching what you're putting in your body, you're just not going to feel good, and, and, you know, regardless of weight issues. So um, I felt very passionately on this, very passionate about this topic and decided to write a book about it. And, you know, over the course of years, people have asked me, you know, how do you make this or how do you do this or why did you cook it this way or, you know, how do you stay fit to run or whatever the questions are. And so my, my book kind of stems from all those questions I've been asked all the years, all these years. Okay, then let's start out, because like, this is what's so educational about this show. Okay, let's say you get up in the morning and uh, you've already decided what you're going to be doing that day. Do you decide what you're going to eat by, based on your activity that day? Um, I do sometimes. I'm, I'm much more diligent in terms of planning um, with dinners than I am with breakfast and lunch. I'm, I'm kind of boring, I guess, when it comes to breakfast. I have a kind of a limited repertoire with breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lunches, I, I, lunches and dinners both, I, I plan more. So you're, and, getting, and, you're thinking out the balance of your nutrition and, and not uh, to be serious at dinner. Uh, that, that's true. I mean, I do, I, what, regardless of what meal I'm eating, I'm always thinking about getting a nice balance of macronutrients. And um, I, I don't think about calories, and I don't even actually think that much about portion size. But I do think about macronutrients and making sure I'm getting a balance and, and the proper balance of each so that I have the energy, you know, to last through the day. Okay, let's say, um, okay, let's start out with your day. You tell us about you. What are you going to eat? Oh, you know, I got you. You get out of bed, you begin your day, and you better tell me, Melinda, you're having your first glass of water as you get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely am a believer in starting with the water early. Good for you. Um, I do have a little coffee. I don't have a lot, but I do drink coffee. But I generally oh, coffee is fine, moderately a, a yeah. delicious. I drink tea in the morning. <laughs> Um, and I generally either have kind of an oatmeal or cereal sort of uh, grainy breakfast. Okay, then how do you how do you fix it? What do you what do you eat? What type of cereal? Um, generally, I, I try to get a protein like a kashi oriented uh, cereal okay. if I eat that. All right. Oatmeal, I try to add some sort of fruit and nut because I think if it's all carbs, the energy just drains by you know ten exactly. o'clock in the morning. I'm t- I'm exhausted, so. I try to get a little bit of fat through the uh, through the nuts and some fruits and, and generally sometimes I even eat peanut butter on toast uh, on toast so I can get some protein. Mm-hmm. Do you have a particular type of peanut butter? Because some of it kind of is is really full of car- carbohydrates and sugar. Is there you a know, particular I'm, brand? I'm just trying to buy, buy the all natural brands. Okay. Um, I don't have one in particular that I have a okay. loyal allegiance to, but okay. um, trying to, to do, trying to get you know, a, 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 an all-natural or organic version of the peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Um, I just get a health fair at one of the YMCA's, and and, yeah. and, and I got, I, you know, I, I just love, because I go in on the water issue, because I'm the founder of Save a Child's Life Foundation to uh, recognize melanoma in time in children. But anyway, I talk nutrition, and the mothers are just loving it and, and getting those children out of bed and thinking about eating something. And, and the, the one thing is, what do you think about granola? Uh, I, I started noticing that if you take a little baggie and put some fresh salad mixture in there and then um, add uh, some granola to it with some raisins or um, dried um, cranberries or whatever nuts or whatever and make it a thing where the child could put it on the plate or literally take it with them, uh, to get some nutrients into them and uh, some grain into them through granola. What do you think about granola? I like granola. I um, make I make it homemade. I have a wonderful homemade ice uh, recipe for granola. In your um, book, which is 
which is very popular among my friends and families, uh, family mm-hmm. members. So I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of granola. Now it does have, I, yeah. I mean, but when I make it homemade, it does have honey. It's not, it's not that it doesn't have any, you know, sugar in it. Um, but I still think when you balance it with the fruit and the oats and, um, and the nuts, I just think it's a good combination. Well, now when you say balance, cause I've been in research a long time to try to understand that word with food and, uh, I've often believed that if we got into research and studying, okay, you say you decided to have oatmeal, but oatmeal is full of carbohydrate. What could I eat with my oatmeal to kind of dissolve the carbohydrate to to be able to let them help each other to be better nutrition? In other words, there's got to be more to that. Uh, Like you just said, I like your word balance. You're smart there. That word balance. Balance the food out by adding something else to balance it out. Yeah. Okay. And now we're going to go to lunch. Okay. Uh, oh, go ahead. What do you, What do you eat for lunch? Um, for lunch, lunch is is to be all honest, to be completely honest, is the meal I struggle the most with. Um, coming up with new and different ideas that are delicious. Um, you know, lately I've been making a lot of um, uh, portobello uh, mushroom sandwiches uh, with spinach and putting that on toast and making some. Uh, rice or quinoa salads, um, mm-hmm. and you know, experimenting with things like that. I mean, sometimes I, I I try not to eat meat for lunch. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan, but I try to reduce my meat intake to one meal a day. So mm-hmm. I try to cut out meat at lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I used to, you know, so I make lots of vegetarian sandwiches as well. Just you know, all different. And kind in of your bread, the bread you're using is uh, whole grain breads. It is, and I mm-hmm. that is one thing I've gotten really uh, hooked on is buying bakery fresh ba- breads from the area mm-hmm. um, because they're better for you. They have less preservatives. They're whole mm-hmm. grain, and mm-hmm. they just taste so much better. And I I'm, I'm getting hooked on bakery breads. I, I hardly eat anything else now. <laughs> okay, well, Melinda, I've got to tell you one out of Oregon. Have you ever heard of Dave's Killer Bread in Oregon? Yes, I've heard. I've heard of now, my... Melinda. I uh, tell you real quickly. Um, I was buying a loaf of uh, bread one time, and I happened to look at see it there, and I, I thought, "Huh, I wonder what bread this is." And I lifted it up, and it was kind of heavy. And I thought, "You know, I'm going to try this bread." It was a little spendy, but I thought, "Okay, it might be worth it." Had some good nutrients in what it described. I could not believe that bread, and I've had him on the show twice. He is amazing, amazing with these breads. And uh, it's here in southern Oregon and around the state of Oregon. I don't know about anywhere else, but it's absolutely flying out the door. I have yeah. to get there the day, and Costco's carrying it, by the way, audience. But it is amazing, that bread. So, again, he's so conscious of that bread, how how healthy it is. Okay, so now for dinner. What do you eat for dinner? Um, for dinner is kind of my fun meal of the day and the, day, the time of day I like to experiment. Um and, you know, the way I think of it is, like, you know, if, if you eat meat or fish or chicken or, or whatever, that's kind of one part of my meal, you know, the protein part. And then I think of, you know, what vegetable or combination of vegetables am I going to include with that? And then third, you know, do I want, a, you know, a carb, you know, a, a brown rice or, or something like that to accompany the meal? So I kind of think, again, it goes back to that you know, make sure I get a balance of everything. Mm-hmm. And then I can get more creative with, you know, a fish dish or a or whatever, you know, I, you know, wh- whatever I tend to, to make. Um, what about your vegetables at night? Do you steam them or do you have a nice, you know, there's a new theory going out, and remember I'm in research all the time, so I look at everything as a theory to evaluate. 
a, a raw, have a raw salad with almost everything around what you have so that raw, that salad becomes uh, the main thinking and then move everything else around it. Um, and do you steam your vegetables or do you, what do you do? How do you do your vegetables? Well, you know, that's been an interesting thing because I have an eight-year-old child and I've been very determined to get him to eat vegetables. So I've really experimented with more than just steaming or stir-frying or I roast a lot of vegetables. Right. Um, oh, how delicious. You know, bro- broccoli and asparagus, for example, are wonderful roasted mm-hmm. and, and not mm-hmm. the first thing that necessarily comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'll even do other other little, you know, I'll add a little cheese to make something more interesting. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't necessarily just steam it because I, I want to make it more interesting so everyone will eat it. Um, you know, I, yeah. I couldn't get anybody to eat Brussels sprouts. And I kept trying and trying all these different ways. <laughs> and so I finally figured out a way to saute them with some shallots and capers and, and whatnot. And everybody loved them. So Something that, I, I like- found, did you ever notice in the produce departments, um, and I'm embarrassed, I don't have it in front of me, but you brought me up to thinking this way about it. Uh, you know those tubes of, of like the lemongrass that comes in a tube? It's yeah. got the ginger in the tube. You know those tubes? I'm embarrassed. Yes. Do you know what the name of them are? I forgot. I don't. I don't usually use them because I usually just use whatever the fresh. Yeah, I do uh, add uh, a little bit of that to a little bit of coconut water, mm. and, um, if, and 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 they come out with so many different like cilantro and so on. And you add. It doesn't take much. In fact, they last a long time if you don't use much. But put a little in coconut water. Uh-huh. And there's the coconut waters out there. They have chunks of coconut even in them, but or those that don't. But then it makes it a, a, able to get the flavor um, out of what you're trying to do. And then I went to Himalayan salts uh, and different kinds of uh, seasonings. And I had a ball with I and I do do too. I like the fresh, but uh, getting the Brussels sprouts and the, and the different vegetables into the individual and and, and change the uh, the flavor once in a while is kind of fun for people to have a different change in flavor and especially children but i don't know about you uh, but i've been married for a long time to a man from holland for 9 49 years well anyway uh he came from that other world of food and i and when he married me uh, melinda i didn't know how to cook because i was like you i didn't want to gain weight <laughs> so i always thought if i didn't learn how to cook i probably wouldn't get tempted but anyway then i learned how to cook and as soon as I got pregnant, I thought, oh, my God, now i got to eat somebody, something. I have to eat for something I've never met in my life called that baby that I'm going to have. So I had to learn how to cook, uh, being married and, and having a baby later and so on. And I found myself wanting to entertain him with how I did it, to out, show, show up his mother in the way she cooked. Because she loved to do lots of nutmeg and starchy food and yes the lots of big meat was the main, meat was always the main deal in those days remember yeah but uh back to um you and your family how have you found something the children really like to eat you know ironically i tell people this and they they can't believe it's true but i i grow my own lettuces and spinach in my oh, backyard and so I cook, when I cook the, uh, the homegrown spinach, mm-hmm. and, you know, I add a little bit of butter and olive oil, so I don't, I don't completely remove all taste from it, but, um, and it's, Luke now proudly boasts that spinach is one of his top four favorite foods. Um, um. and, and so, I, I mean, I do think when it's fresh grown or homegrown. Oh, it has a flavor. Better. Yes. Um, and, you know, he'll eat almost any, I, I mean, I've tried, a lot of different vegetables at this point, and he'll he'll try and eat most everything. So, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there, he definitely likes some more than others, but yeah. I have so. to tell you a story and you'll have to tell him, you'll get a kick out of this. Well, many, many years ago, I have a daughter who's not my real daughter. She has a mother that I adore, but she became part of me when she was three. Mm-hmm. Chris, uh, Peter's now. Well, Chris, well, she became, I became mother number two. Well, her mother never, she, her mother was older and she never made her eat anything she didn't want to eat. And uh, this is way back because she's now 51. So anyway, um, when she was with me, though, Melinda, if I put it on the plate, if I had it on the table, you have to, because that's all balanced out nutrition. Okay, you eat it. Eat a little bit, just a little bit of everything. Well, she learned how in the old days we used to think liver was good for you. So, of course, I had fish one night, chicken one night, beef one night, liver another night, or, you know, whatever. So anyway, she started asking me, um, Tina, would you like to stay? Her name is Chris, but call her Tina. Would you like to stay for dinner? What are you having for dinner? <laughs> she asked me. I said, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> and, and then, of course, she'd be cringed when she says that the table happened to be the night of the liver. <laughs> anyway, we took her to Europe with us one time with our children. Uh, we have two daughters, and she was yeah, the other daughter. She was older than the other girls, anyway, by a little. But anyway, we went to Europe, and she knew when we went to Europe, when you, what you order, you have to eat it, Melinda. You know, I, well, Melinda, she ordered, I ordered turtle soup, and da-da, and she ordered some turtle soup, and Melinda, she hated it. She was just chugging it, and she never said a word to anybody about not liking it. All of a sudden, Melinda, and tell your little boy, she got to the bottom, and all of a sudden, she sees a fly in it, and there really was a fly in it. And if she'd seen it sooner, she wouldn't have had to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> that would have saved all of her worries. So it's been a story forever. We talk food forever. And she and her husband, who's a retired uh, New York fire department, because of the 9-11 problems in his lungs, um, they're living in, in Hilton Head, but they exercise every day, and their food is so important to them, how he cooks it and everything. And but anyway, but now she laughs about the turtle soup, and she had to write a book about the fly and the turtle soup, right? Oh, <laughs> but wonderful. back to your book, your fabulous book. And now, have you ever thought of coming out with one just for children? Well, it's funny that you ask. I'm, the third book um, that I'm about to put out is is in the editing process right now, so it's it's kind of done, and it's about running your first marathon. But I've had several people say, "You got, you know, your next one has to be about what you do to get your kids to eat well and and stay fit." Yeah. And um, or my my child. So that that was actually that is going to be my next book uh, that I write, and I think I might get input from other parents as well. Um, you know, in terms of what they've done that has successfully gotten their kids to eat well and stay fit, because I think that topic is certainly of great importance right now with the obesity trends. Yeah, and and I've been studying dehydration so long, and I have a theory about. Uh, what happens to the body? You know how you know how allergic people are, Melinda. And how do we know from? Remember when that that baby left the mother's water, came to the delivery room, and all of a sudden there's no water anymore, and you have to depend upon the humidity for detoxification. Which the humidity, the water in the air detoxifies us more than anything. But water is, to drink is vital, vital. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then they begin to their life. And what you're eating is vital to your life. Right. And it's, it's, you, you're right on about your thinking and going into medical school and they didn't have enough to teach. Well, they're, they're starting to teach it now, Melinda. 
Yeah, I've had uh, a doctor from Tufts University, Dr. Alan Taylor, that his whole world is studying nutrition and eyes, that your your eyes' uh, health is depending upon what you're eating. And dry eye is out of control, causing blindness. And there is going to be a generation about 2030 for 35 million people having macular degeneration. And wow. what's happened here is they're learning. It's so common sense. Drink water and eat healthy. And the, the yeah. word sugar. Now, tell me what, you, what your study has proven with sugar, because those of us that are out there researching all the time have been proving that sugar is a dehydrator. It's, it's meant to heat you up. It's meant, it's meant to that molecule get to change energy by heating it up and get addicted. The molecule gets addicted in the cell to that, to that heat, to that sensation, that high, you can call it. But it also comes down. Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, most of the research I've done, too, is, is continuing to show how detrimental sugar is for our health. Um, and, and given that I, I grew up in the South, so I grew up with the best desserts in the country, I think. Oh, God, dessert can be delicious. <laughs> and, you know, and it was a very, I mean, I, I joked about this in my book that, you know, when my mom said she was making a green salad, it was a, like it was a jello salad with sugar in it. Yeah. And, you know, that's yeah. just how we ate. So that, that yeah. has been a huge change for me to kind of revert, you know, and not eat so much sugar. Now, that said, I, I still eat it, but I think, again, as long as I eat, you know, some sugar along, you know, if, if I have it in small doses, in moderation, and in balance with other um, things, it keeps my, I mean, I notice that my glycemic index goes way up when I eat it, and then I crash later. So it just... Right. I don't feel good when I eat a well, lot of sugar. a secret that I can give you today, uh, when I've been studying water for, th- uh, I, I swear I'm a thousand years old, <laughs> but for so many, many years, if you do eat sugar and knowingly you're eating sugar, be sure and have a glass, full glass of water. Mm. It'll do, it's a solvent. Water is a solvent. That's great. That's, that's great. And, and your children, uh, your child, your little guy, how old is your little guy? He's eight. Eight. He's eight. Magic number eight. Ooh, I bet he thinks he's smart. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. <laughs> but I, I have to tell you, you have to tell him this one. I'm one of those people, I think all children are perfect. And if you tell a child that, they'll smile at you. Trust me, Melinda. <laughs> but anyway, back to him. Um, the, the thing about the sugar is they, all of us like sugar. Of course our body likes to taste sugar. There's, it tricks our tongue, the nerve endings in the tongue. But if you drink water, you can take a chance and have something with sugar, knowing that you're going to, it's going to, you're going to drink the water as a solvent. And right. bl- you just said the magic word in the show, balance it out, balance it out. Water balances it out. Mm, that's but if you don't drink enough, it'll go the other way, and it'll trick us. And what we're eating today is so vital. And the children, uh, the diet that they should be getting, the raw vegetables and and the fresh fruit, and 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 then t- t- you're, I know you're talking to him about it, which is such a gift. Uh, they need to want to talk about it. That right. way, then, that when they're growing up, thinking about what they're eating is what they're who they are going to be. I I challenged when my kids were growing up. I never had one cavity, and every time we went to the dentist, my knees shook. I was taking it personal if they got one. I know now, of course, that you can't take it personal, but I did because I was studying food. Uh, I didn't want them sick, and they were never sick. Mm. And uh, but now, does that mean anything? It doesn't. They were top swimmers. They were musicians. They were normal. Today, they're even more normal. But 
uh, about things and uh, in life that it happened to them and things. But but the the thing when you when you look at the food you're eating, like you said, an audience. Her book is called Eat In, Not Out. And she's got another book coming on marathoning. Now, uh, we know a lot of people who uh, run and exercise and, and stay fit. I've always worried about people who run. The bones were not meant to be pounded and dehydrate that way. Right. Uh, so what do you do to take care of yourself? Well, when I'm training for marathons, for starters, um, I only run three days a week. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't put in anywhere near the amount of miles to train as I think people would assume. Um, and, you know, it's funny that you bring up the topic of hydration. I recently ran the Boston Marathon, and it was 85 to 90 degrees along the whole route. Mm-hmm. And I, I really learned a valuable lesson about hydration in that race because I drank three times more than I, than I used to drink, mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe how great I felt at the end. Oh, good. Oh, I love that story oh and yeah i it really i usually get an upset stomach after long run so mm-hmm. it's not my bones that are the problem it's usually my stomach and i found that with the the added water and even gatorade too i ha- i couldn't believe how much better well the gatorade was helping you retain that moisture i've studied gatorade it was yeah. invented to retain the moisture so you won't profusely be dehydrating but you got to be yeah. they, people don't realize audience you've got to be drinking water but the Gatorade helps retain so you don't uh, you can detoxify easier. Huh, interesting. Yeah, no, well, no, I, I, I mean I always I'm, drink and I always drank a, what I thought was a lot. But mm-hmm. I've learned through that experience that what mm-hmm. I thought was a lot really wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that your body needs more than you think. <laughs> now what do you eat before you go on that marathon? Um, you know the night before I I I don't I don't uh carbohydrate load in the sense that, you know, a professional runner would carbohydrate load. But I do have a nice, again, it's just I have some carbs, but I also have some protein and vegetables and the night before. Easy and then the morning of, I actually eat a lot of protein. Um, I have just learned through through the miles and over time that, you know, my body type, I need more protein. Okay, there you so go. So I usually have eggs and a protein shake and sometimes peanut butter and bagel too. Whatever is easy run. to digest, right. Yeah, and and for some reason that worked. I used to do just heavy, heavy carbs, and I would crash in the middle of the run. So mm-hmm. um, that works better for me, but I know everyone's different. Right, right. Well, I'll let you take control of this show. You've got about a minute and a half, and what would you like to say to the audience? You're a fabulous guest. Thank you for joining us. What would you like to say for them? to them? To um, you? you know, kind of along the lines of what we've been saying is to really, um, when you're thinking about eating and when you're thinking about cooking, um, to use food as information to make you feel better and, and, and not, not to use it as something to be, become obsessed about being skinny or losing weight, but rather, you know, feel better, feel better and, and, and even write it down and track what you're eating and what you're drinking and how much water you're consuming and then reflect on what you, what you track and, and learn from it. And if something puts you in a better mood or something gives you more energy, then eat or drink more of that. Um, and I think that's a, a valuable lesson that, you know, anyone could benefit um, from living by. You can look at your skin and your face. You know, we grew up thinking face is very vain and, oh, are we too vain? And take a look at the skin of your face and you'll see how you're feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's not vain. It's your skin right. tells the story. Uh, we're uh, out of time, but be sure and get that book, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease with Dr. Esselstein. He's got fabulous recipes in there, too. Oh, wow. Okay. He's a co-author with the China Study, too. 
Oh, okay, yeah. He is unbelievable with great recipes. And uh, my thing about it is I believe in a little bit of oil, too. Not much, but enough to retain the moisture so we don't over-dehydrate. So, but he's right. got another direction to go, which is going fabulously uh, out there. I appreciate you t- uh, coming on. Thank you and, so much. And uh, I wish you well, and let's do this again someday. When you get your next book ready to go, uh, give us a call. Okay, will do. Thank you so much for having me. You have a nice day and be well. All right. Bye. Well, isn't it fun? I love to talk about food. In fact, I had a woman one day, she said, isn't it funny where people don't want to talk about food? And I said, I love to talk about food. That's who we are. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist, 100% natural to mist your eyes with the supplement. We'll be right back with Lauren Fisher from World Vision. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Lauren, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello. Well, thank you for giving us some time. It sounds like your time today is very precious and we'll die we'll get right into it. We're going to be discussing with Lauren Fisher from World Vision. Uh, international news and disasters uh, out there that are going on with the crisis in West Africa and Nigeria. Tell us about what is happening because it's been ongoing, Lauren, for so long. What is happening that is getting better? Well, what we're seeing out there right now is starting in around November, we could tell that the crops had failed in the past year for the population there. It's in the Sahel region, so it's a number of countries that include uh, Niger and then also Mali which mm-hmm. people have heard about in headlines recently because of the coup, Mauritania, Senegal, and Chad. And they had a drought situation where they didn't get the rain that they needed. And for the people there, they live on a very thin margin. So when their crops fail in that year, then that's a big deal for them in the year coming up. They don't have the seeds mm-hmm. they need to plant in the following year. Right. And we saw that for many people, as opposed to having enough crops collected to feed them for the next six months or so during the lean season, they had just enough for maybe a month or two, and then would run out. And that's where we had to, um, we began to step in to help, and that's where we became very concerned with the situation. And a lot of aid agencies had begun sounding the alarm right around November. And now we are getting into the very lean season right now for people where they don't have any food or have so very, what you're very discussing today is that the improvement is not just their own uh, culture, governments, or whatever, 
but the, the, when you have when you have no rain, and that's something that this show is all about, the power of water. If you have no water to grow the crops and to sustain your livelihood, which is growing food, uh, death begins because people have to eat. Now, what's the what's the and, and of course diseases are out of control uh, because they don't have the water. Uh, what do you what is the answer to ongoing uh, with these situations? Is that um, uh, if you haven't got any water, what can you do about that? Uh, are they doing anything to store water in ponds and vats and or anything in, at all to prepare for what this, these droughts might be? Because they have them so commonly. Yes, absolutely. There's a few things that they do to prepare on several levels. One that we're doing right now, um, not only feeding people, but we also do food for work programs where people work to dig these huge half-moon-shaped very shallow ditches in their soil because you can imagine when the soil is so very dry, when it does finally rain, Mm -hmm. it doesn't seep in, much like if you have very dry soil, just wash it. It's almost like a clay effect. Okay. Exactly, exactly. So when you have these these small ditches, it helps to sustain the water there, Mm -hmm. and that actually makes the soil more fertile. They're also, in a lot of villages, they do water catchments. Um, There's irrigation systems Mm -hmm. where they'll... Um, where there is water, sometimes in the bigger bodies of water, will help them to dig these long kind of thin trenches so they can get the water to their gardens. And then on top of that, there's other uh, ways to deal with it, such as boreholes, which isn't just a well, it's even deeper into the ground. And mm-hmm. we drill those throughout Niger and some of the other areas, and then mm-hmm. that allows people to be able to have water. Like you said, water is so important for people oh my there. Gosh. Many Lauren. people walk, spend much yeah. of their day walking just to get water. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, you think about those women that get up out of bed in the morning, Lauren, and they start out early, and their livelihood for their family, their individual family, is depending upon them bringing back that water every day. Every day. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's like you I said, too, if they had a broken ankle or a sprained ankle or a bad back, they still have to go. They yes, have to go. Absolutely. And it becomes, yeah, it becomes really the center of their whole world and their whole day. If they have mm-hmm. young women who are children, those young women aren't able to go to school. Those mm-hmm. children, they have to help carry the water. For the women, it's just, like you said, it's, it's so physically difficult for them. It becomes a huge focus of their whole day. Yeah, and, you absolutely. know, women of the world have always been, you know, way back in time, Lauren, if you study the word medicine, uh, the women were the founders of the word medicine. And they turned to nature way back in time. They were the nurturers. And they they really were the the, the mother of nature's medicine. And, and they were the first beginner of the invention. And so they're nurturing and they're concerned, women of the world, of their children, of their home, their family, has been there from the beginning of time. And this water issue, can you imagine how far we've come? And we just saw, uh, I'm gonna, this show's gonna be, uh, put on the map on this one because of the recent going, the public going with Facebook. Well, you think about how Facebook has just gone out there, has gone public. We've come so far in communications of, look at those little thin wires communicating all over the world, and they still, Lauren, haven't figured out the water? Yes, it's, it's, it's an incredible situation. It's hard to imagine, though, yes. But uh, you do see significant advances there, too. It just It's such a huge problem and a huge area where people don't have water and people living in areas that are 
uh, just arid and difficult areas to live in. So, yeah, it's a problem that's ongoing, and, and we see big positive changes in some of the villages I visited where we were able to get mechanized pumps. It was like magic for the people there and just oh, an incredible gift yeah. for them, you know, to be able to take that burden off of them. But it is a, it's a continual uh, now, when you go into those work. really deep wells, how, what kind of rig, who brings in those rigs? Those are expensive. They are. Uh, World Vision has rigs in some of the areas, and they need to be transported to where they would have to go. But they are very expensive. Mm-hmm. But a lot of organizations, including us, are working on ways, too, to teach people how to uh, maintain and upkeep on their own. So it becomes really a community Mm-hmm. facility, not just something that we come in and do, but something the community really buys into and, and becomes very important to them as well. Now, have you been forming these communities? I've been, we've had different ones on our show where they form these women in community committees of ownership to where they will maintain and run it like a business because when you're running it like a business plan, you're making sure that that community water has a benefit for everybody in the community based on these people that have selected to take that responsibility. Have you done any of that at all? Yes. Well, the place where I was, actually, where I saw um, in Rafa Village the well, there was a woman, and that was her livelihood, to sell the water and, and maintain the well as well. And it was being sold for very, very cheap, um, very inexpensive, but was still a way to have some ownership, and that gave her a livelihood and a job. But it also gave everyone there access to clean, safe water because, you know, you talked about with these women walking for such long distances, a lot of times don't even know if that water is clean. So this is a way that... Right. They knew the people in the village would get water that would have their children be safe and not get sick, and, and that people would buy into that as well. Right. She needs to have that little bit of money to be able to maintain the business of keeping that a healthy water. Absolutely. And, yes. have, and run the regulations to her, making sure that she uh, has a, a means to pay for what she needs to do to keep the water healthy. Yes, and it's um, it was so much cheaper when we talked to a lot of the villagers than where they'd been walking miles and miles before. They still had to pay for the water there, but it was ten times as expensive. So this was a way that they knew they were almost investing back in their community. Exactly. There we go. Uh, now, to tell us a little bit about what's happening, I have said on every show, I swear to you, um, my concern is there's no such thing as an imperfect child. And when that baby is born, that baby is depending upon the rest of us of the world and at the mercy of of the new bundle, a special bundle of package that called that baby. Um, And they're now dying without water. Children, 5,000 children estimated a day around the world dying without water. And we don't know how many are dying because they're drinking bad water even, you know, in other parts of the world. Could be in the United States. Uh, What is happening uh, with World Vision with the children and the, the water situation and sanitation? Is there any particular programs that are going on for that? There are, absolutely, and that's one of our huge concerns. World Vision's main focus is always on children, and they're often the ones that are affected the most by things like this. Diarrhea is one of the number one killers for children, something that we don't even think about here in the U.S. that is just deadly over there. Now, what, we do what a lot of programs. I'm sorry, Lauren. What, um, which, what, what was it? Diarrhea. Oh, diarrhea, because I didn't hear the whole yeah. word. Okay, I'm sorry. Diarrhea. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, and you know, it's something we don't even think about here, but for babies over there, that's that's a huge killer. We do a lot of programs, including um, latrines. We help build those. We do a lot of sanitation and hygiene um, lessons and teaching people learning oh, to wash wonderful. their hands. 
Wonderful. And that sort of thing is a huge help as well for, even though you don't think of it being directly with water, it, it comes down to the same thing because you have water sources very near where people may be um, not using latrines, maybe, you know, openly openly defecating. And so any sort of waste material goes back into the water. So that's why things like mm. latrines are so important. Hand mm-hmm. washing is very, very important. Um, providing soap to people, things like that. We do a lot mm. of that as well. Okay, we have one minute left. I'm going to let you tell the world out there what you'd like, the message you'd like to leave. I think it's just important that people think in terms of the children and, and think about areas outside of our border and our lives. I think we get so focused there that, to remember there are children over in areas like the Sahel that are dealing with some very difficult situations, and you can always find more online at worldvision.org and a lot of other wonderful organizations out there all working to keep kids healthy. Well, World Vision is a wonderful organization. I've had you on before through the period of time, and I really want to thank everyone and tell everyone hello and keep up the work for what you're doing on this planet Earth. It's um, absolutely exciting what you're doing, and it's a secret to our planet of what you're doing out there to help other people, uh, not just your own country. It's it's a blessing, God's blessing. Well, thank you for joining us, Laura, and you have a nice day, and you be well. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Okay, and be well. Bye. Well, there's so much to learn all over the world and everything. You know, what do we do every day? We get out of bed and deal with obstacles. And we should not shun those obstacles. They're part of our life. It's part. Look at the earth has to do every day. The earth begins a, a night falls and it goes into its napping and the moisture gets heavier at night and brings more dew and and it rejuvenates and then here comes the daylight and the weather and the changes in the season, and it's always up against obstacles because it's dealing with the solar system and the planet Earth. So always remember, you're no different than nature. Nature is nature, dealing with obstacles. And we have to take that serious and always be fair to other people's obstacles because maybe they're going through an obstacle that you have not been able to to have yet or will maybe have someday. And our choices sometimes are this. We know that water is vital to our everyday life. We know that it is. But Earth has a secret, and the power of water of this show is saying, embrace your life with the power of water. Don't forget it. But Earth is whispering, don't say goodbye. Don't take it all with you. Leave it behind, too. Be immortal. I want to thank you for listening. This was quite a show, wasn't it? I really enjoyed it for myself, too. You have a nice day. And be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.